Thank you, thank you, Renee Welch. And I, I thought that uh, those of you in the sanctuary would appreciate seeing her mom. Uh, Shirley, her mom is Shirley Welch. Uh, Shirley, why don't you just stand back where you are? She's kind of shy, but uh, thank you for raising such a wonderful daughter and marvelous musician. Praise God. And today on Mother's Day, we're grateful to have my wife, Cindy, bring the message. So this is Cindy Stavropoulos. Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. Well, for a minute, I thought that was my phone. I was freaking out. <laughs> happy Mother's Day. Happy Grandma's Day. Happy Auntie's Day. Happy Great Grandma's Day. I just think, you know, I'm so grateful for a day that our kids can stop and say, I love you, Mom. I appreciate you, Mom. I'll come to church with you, Mom. It's the least I can do. And how blessed we are when we look at the blessings of God. Have you ever heard of a job that requires no experience, no training, pays nothing, and you can't quit? Oh, and by the way, lives are on the line. <laughs> That's motherhood. It's my privilege to talk to you this morning as a mama, and as a grandma, now I will tell you, being a grandma is better. I think it's God's reward for not killing my kids. But being a grandma is so much better because, you know, I've passed the stage where I'm worried about my, uh, my mortgage. I'm worried about making ends meet. I'm worried about what people think of me. I remember my mom telling me that she had to have her laundry washed and on the line on Monday before 9 a.m. or the neighbors would judge her. And the kids, they have to be everywhere with you, in the bathroom, in the bedroom, on your lap, touching, touching, touching all the time, mommy talking all the time. But we're so blessed, aren't we? So today we're going to look at what Elizabeth can teach us mamas today. And I really appreciate, Mark, you reading um, Luke chapter 1 for us. Um, I requested Mark just because I love how he reads. And um, I just want you to know this morning, as we look at Elizabeth, I want you to know you are heard by God. The scripture says, but they, Zechariah and Elizabeth, had no children because Elizabeth was not able to have any. And they were very old. So this is very interesting. Earlier in the, earlier in the verse, it talks, Luke makes a point and he says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful to God. They obeyed the law. They did everything that God asked them to do. But they had no children. Today, we know many people, I'm sure you know at least one couple 
who is struggling with infertility and the pain and the grief and the disappointment. But when Elizabeth was struggling with infertility, the ancient culture back then blamed the woman. The man was encouraged. Well, she's, she's not able to, so get a new wife. Divorce her quietly. Get a new one or get another one. That's always a good deal. Just saying, guys, I don't know if you think that's a good deal. Get another one. But Luke makes a point to say they were faithful, but they had no children. In a society that would say, you need a child to take care of you if your husband dies. You need someone to carry on the family line. Because kids are a blessing from God, and we all know that there's that famous scripture that says, blessed is the man who has a quiverful of children. You know, you're thinking, you know, the warrior, and he's got to have a lot. They just got to keep coming. Kids were a blessing. So not to have kids, divine curse. Luke says no. They were faithful. They were righteous. But they had no children. It's kind of a parallel, don't you think, to Abraham and Sarah? Now, Abraham was the first human that God made a covenant promise with. And he said, Abraham, you will be the father of a great nation. And like the man said, he goes, thanks, God. This is great. I love this idea. Sarah goes, just a minute. We don't have kids. I'm 60. I don't have kids. I'm not ever going to have kids. How can you be the father of a great nation? Can you just imagine the discussion around the campfire? Now, Sarah came up with a different plan. But God said, no, Sarah, you're going to have a child. And they waited 25 years for the child. Well, that's worth waiting for. Sarah was 90 when she had Isaac, and Abraham was 99. Do you want to really think those numbers through? Seriously. Elizabeth knew unanswered prayers. The pain of infertility, the burden of not being the same as everyone else, the gossip the talk that would stop when she would walk in, the grief of not knowing the why and the how comes. I can imagine that she would be at the watering well and she'd be gathering her water for the day and she would walk in and the conversation would say, Luke, he just lost a tooth. Oh, Samuel, he's such, he's such a good boy. He helped me with his sister this morning. Oh, my son is getting married. I am so happy. She's such a good girl. We are so blessed with our children. And she stands on the side and only can listen. She has nothing to share. And if you're here today, or if you're listening today, and you understand where Elizabeth is at, I want you to know something. You are not broken. And you are not alone. And you are known and heard by your father. 
and we love you. So take today and celebrate your mom. Celebrate like Susan Williams did, Marie, who's been a mentor and like a mom to her. Ruth Jennings spoke into my life when my kids were little, and she was an unmarried woman with no children, and she became my second mom. To many of you, I know, she became a second mom. So do not assume that God has not put children in your life. Know you are important and know how much you are loved. Sometimes God has a different plan than what we have. And we've all seen that in different areas of our life. Maybe it's not children, but maybe it's not money. Maybe it's not the position we thought we should have. Maybe it's not the job. Maybe it's the fact that your marriage didn't work out. Your kids took the wrong path. We all have disappointments in our life. But as every single song said this morning, our God is a faithful, gracious Father who loves us. Our plans might seem funny to God, might seem small to God. So I want you to look for the plan that God has for you. And it doesn't always come wrapped up in the bow and the pretty pink paper that you think it should. And God said, in spite of the fact that Zachariah and Elizabeth had no children, Luke said they were faithful. And because he said faithful and childless in the same sentence, it said to those people reading that letter, this was not a divine judgment or a curse on them. They were known by God to be faithful. He also talks about how old they are. And the scholars that I read, I wanted to find out, well, you know, you kind of Google. I kind of Googled my scholars and I said, how old was Elizabeth? How old is very old? And it was said by many scholars that it means past childbearing age, usually over 60. Okay, so we all agree, very old, right? Like, are you thinking at 65 to have a child? Just kind of throwing that out there. I'm, I'm saying no, but I don't know. I don't have the same plans that you have. But as Mark read this morning, God took the impossible, and that's what it was, right? Can you see that? It was impossible, because she's already proven the fact that she can't have children. And God makes the impossible possible, because he had a plan, the plan of salvation that we still get to participate in. It is a big deal. He took a woman who had been cursed, who had been gossiped, who had been put down, who had been disappointed and had unanswered prayer, and he's changing the world. So no matter how old we are, and as long as we are alive, there is a hope that we can achieve a dream that God put within us. Now remember, it's his dream not our dream. 
And he can answer a prayer that maybe we have forgotten. Because when Gabriel visited Mary later on in this chapter, he says, you know, your relative Elizabeth, you know, she's very old. Gabriel, he just loves that word, very old. He said, she's pregnant, six months pregnant. And she goes, that's kind of fun. And he goes, with God, nothing is impossible. I want you to hang on to that for a second. With God, nothing is impossible. You can dream your dreams, but dream God's dreams because they're way out there. So we'll go back to Elizabeth. She pleased God. She was faithful. She was married to a pastor. She was a daughter of a pastor. She knew the law. She knew Yahweh. She celebrated all the rituals. And Luke says, but she was childless and very old. Gee, I wouldn't want to have that on my tombstone, right? But I would like the first part. She was faithful. That's a pretty good one. So is there a but in your life? Sometimes we place a lot of pressure on ourselves to live so perfectly that God will see us and answer our prayers. But when prayers go unanswered for a long time, it becomes so easy for us to think, well, maybe God's forgotten about us, sir. Or maybe I wasn't good enough. But I want you to see that as Elizabeth was faithful, God still saw her. He heard her. And maybe God will answer your prayers decades from now, 25 years to get Isaac. And that was a promise. Maybe when you're 65 and a couple anniversaries. Or maybe not till heaven. Because it's not our plans that we need to pray for. We need to pray for God's plans and God's dreams in our lives. So let's agree. Unanswered prayer is not a judgment. So what is our purpose as godly women? Is it to be moms? Is it to be wives? Is that all women are asked to do by God? No, our ultimate calling as women, is to live to bring glory and honor to God. Think about that. That's your ultimate purpose. You can do that at any age. You can do it as a preteen. You can do it as a teenager. You can do it as a young adult. Heck, you can do it even with children. When God created Adam and Eve, he didn't create them to have children. He created them to have fellowship with him, to spend time with him, to get to know him. And that is what I encourage every single one of you to do. Whether you're a mom, whether you're a woman, whether you're a father or a man and a man, whoever you are, make your primary goal, make your deepest prayer to get to know God better. Spend more time with him. And then remember, what your ultimate calling is. When you are struggling, when you are hurting, 
And you know what? If you spend more time with God in prayer, you get to spend more time with God. So the first thing I really want you to understand today is that you are known by God. I love this verse in Elizabeth's story. Luke chapter 1, verses 11 to 13. I want, you to, I want you to picture this. But Gabriel said to him, Zachariah, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard by God. Your wife Elizabeth will give birth to a baby boy, and you will name him John. Now you could just read that. But when you start to figure out what exactly is going on, you see the impossible. So first of all, God had not talked to the Israelites for about 400 years between Malachi and between Matthew, crickets. Crickets. And the first thing we see is Gabriel visiting Zechariah in the temple. Okay, so... You get it, right? God's ready. God's got a plan. He knows the time. You get it. What you don't get is that there are 24 divisions of priests. And they only serve one week, twice a year. And there's a thousand priests in every division. And it's done by lottery. It's not done, well, you know, you, Amina, you, you've had your name drawn, so you're not in the lottery this year. No. That's not how it works. Every name goes in. Twice a year, maybe, it's the time. Because, you know, if, if it's not your turn to do offering incense, then you don't get a lottery. Million to one chance, Zachariah gets picked. Once in a lifetime chance, he gets picked to go in and offer prayer and incense in the temple. Now, Women, this, this is what I want you to know. I don't know if you heard what Gabriel said to Zechariah. He said, God has heard your prayer. Okay, we're, let's go back. Remember I told you they're very old? Okay, let's go forward. God has heard your prayer. What's his prayer? He's praying for a son. Let's go back. But they were very old. Let's go forward. But he was praying for a son. Are you with me yet? Like, are you seeing? He isn't giving up. He still, he still believes in miracles. Zechariah was a faithful man. But I also want you to look at the scripture. We hear the name Gabriel. We only hear two angel names in the Bible. Michael and Gabriel. Pretty big guys. Pretty important guys. Scholars say that they were probably warriors standing at the throne of God. He was their special messenger. Anything big happened, one of these guys was sent. Gabriel comes after 400 years of hearing nothing. Zechariah is just like bursting at the seams of this honor that he can actually go into the temple and offer incense to Yahweh. Because Luke said he was faithful. Luke said he was in love with Yahweh. And as he's minding his own business, praying his little prayer, probably more like a, a mantra, poof, someone was there. Wouldn't that surprise you? 
Nobody else goes in there. Like, you had to have a lottery to go in there. And all of a sudden, I don't know, do you think he's glowing? Do you think he's tall? Do you think he had a sword? Like, there's someone in with him. And he says, Zechariah. I want you to catch that. How does Gabriel know what his name is? It was a lottery, remember? It was a lottery. Nobody knew who was going in. And he says, Zechariah, don't be afraid. Your prayer will be answered and your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And you are to call him John. Now I imagine that when Zechariah is at the at the throne and God is preparing him for this mission. He goes, okay, Zach, Mike, you know, this is a, this is a big day. We're, we're starting the program. We're, we're doing the launch. And he said, Gabriel, when you go to talk to Zechariah, I want you to know that it's important you use the names because then they know that I know them. Use your names. Use their names. I'm sure the last thing he said, and Zechariah, And Gabriel, don't forget, Zechariah, Elizabeth, John. It was a lottery, but God knew exactly who was going to be in the temple. With God, nothing is impossible. When God has a plan, nothing stands in that way. Nothing is impossible. So we go back to Elizabeth, who's at home, right? Because Zechariah has left home, and he's spending a week in Jerusalem. And he's doing his priestly duties. And, man, he gets there, and he gets the lottery, and he gets an angel visit, which nobody gets. And he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And he comes out. Can't say a word. I don't know, maybe that would have been a good thing for Elizabeth, but, you know. Anyway, she has no idea what's going on. She's still at home, still doing her faithful. He comes home. I just got to imagine the conversation around the coffee at that time, him trying to explain Gabriel. But I'm imagining because she's the daughter of a priest, she probably could read, and that's probably how they were able to communicate. That's just me reading in to the scripture. Elizabeth was still barren at home, and Zechariah knew things had changed. Every tear, every frustration, every piece of red tape, every obstacle in your way, every all-nighter, all your fears, all your desperate desperation, every prayer that you have ever prayed, whether you cried it, whether you whispered it, whether you yelled it, whether you couldn't speak it, God hears you. God hears you. He knows you by your name. He's just not, you're not just, oh, that's the Canada group. You're not just, oh, they're the Ontarians. 
You're not, oh, they live in, in the GTA. No, he knows your name, first, second, last. He knows everything about you. And you're important to God. Please, please don't forget. Because he knows you by name, he will always be listening to you too. I want you to also know that you can trust God. He hears you. You are known by God, but he trusts you. Luke 1.25, Elizabeth rejoiced and said, Look what the Lord has done for me. He decided to help me. Now people will stop thinking there's something wrong with me. She sees the hand of God. She's really excited about it. I, I have to be real with you, though. Having reached the point of being a grandmother, the thought of having a baby, well, actually, the thought of having a baby at 40 when Sonia had her baby, I thought, oh, Lord, please, no, please, 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 no, please, Lord, you know this is not a good idea. You know me. You know me. Well, Sonia has Glenn. Sonia and Anthony have Glenn. But I have my sanity. I don't know. Maybe that's a different story. My son. And, hmm. Anyway, needless to say, um, I love my son with all my heart. When, when Renee sang her first song, you know, you raised me up. That was the song that my son and I danced to at his wedding because he had so many things that he had to deal with. I, as his mama, was always trying to help him, always trying to make him better, always trying to, you know, let's get this homework done, let's get this application in, let's get, you know, let's get it going. You can do this, biggest cheerleader. That's what mamas do, right? And God sent us the Holy Spirit to do exactly the same thing. Each one of us has the Holy Spirit in us, urging us on, nagging us for our good, celebrating our victories. But, you know, Elizabeth could have said, um, Zachariah, what are you doing? Praying for a son? You, did you forget the birthday we had? It's, it's too late, God. Like, I, do you know how far the floor is now? We, we just... We're just looking at you cutting back on your priestly job and we're going to take a nice vacation and spend some time together. Like, it's about us now. It's our time now. I forget things all the time. It's a little inconvenient and a heck of a lot of work from what I've heard. And, you know, John's not the most important, so. No, none of that. As far as we know, Elizabeth's response to being told she was going to have a baby at 65 was, praise the Lord, he has heard me. And he has answered my prayer. As a grandmother, I love spending time with my grandkids. My daughter says, you have way more patience with, our grand, with your grands than you ever did with us. I said, yeah. Yeah, I do. 
And, and it's not so much because they're perfect. They're pretty close, but it's because I don't have them 24-7. It's because they don't wake me up in the middle of the night. It's because they're throwing up in the night and I'm going, oh, I'm sorry, honey. It's my kids saying, I haven't slept in on a weekend for us before kids. And I went, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they're teenagers, honey, they never wake up. We see things differently as grandparents. We have time. We've learned that time goes really fast, right, Debbie? It just speeds by. And when you've got little kids and someone like me comes up and says, don't blink, they grow up, and you go, give me a break. You know, God is taking your brains with your color hair. Because we get it. We know, how did we get to this age? Why am I celebrating this? I don't feel this old. My mom was old. Now, I'm sure there's not one person my age that doesn't disagree with this. But I also don't worry so much about what people think about me. I have more confidence as a woman of God. I don't have to pay for a mortgage. I don't have to go to work eight to five every day. I understand we need to stop and smell the roses. So I sit with them. I watch while my granddaughter insists on putting her shoes on by herself. Could be five minutes. But I'm like, huh, this is our time together. She can do whatever she wants for five minutes. Right? If she wants something different to eat, I'm like, sure, no problem. That's being a grandparent. That's being on the other side of crazy. So if you're in crazy, there's another side. And it's good. But you look at Elizabeth and think of her as a grandmother mother. And you think of how she takes care of little John. And she's spending time with him. And she is watching him as he discovers the world. And she reads his numbers and his letters with him. And she listens to his dreams as he looks. I can see them lying on a hill watching clouds and saying, what shapes do you see? What kind of things do you do with your grandchildren? What kind of things did your grandparents do with you? Imagine having that as you bring up your little boy. And I can also imagine him saying, her saying to him, you're special. God gave you us. God gave us you for a reason. You are going to be part of God's plan. You are going to prepare the way for the Messiah who is to come. You are a special boy. Not just because God gave you us, gave you to us. Not just because you know Messiah. Not just because God filled you with the Holy Spirit when we met with your Aunt Mary and the Messiah. You are special because God knows you and God knows exactly what his plan for your life is. And I am so excited. Let's make sure you know everything about Yahweh. I imagine John going up to his dad and saying, as a little boy, but what did he look like? 
Was he like glowing? Did, did he have a sword? Did, did he have really strong boots or sandals? Or? And then as a bigger boy saying, well, what did he really say? Like, did he have an inflection in some of those words? Who really is Gabriel, Dad? And both mom and dad had time to answer the questions. They invested in their son because he was, he was destined for great things. Things that help us right now, today. So yes, they had a special child. But each one of your children is special. At this stage and at every stage of their life, God has something special for your child too. And they are always your child. I was talking with Olivia Lino this morning about Richard. And he died just before Mother's Day. But she said she spoke to him on the phone and he said, I have your Mother's Day card already. Imagine coming home, having lost your son, and finding a Mother's Day card telling how much he loves you. We don't know what's going to happen day to day. We don't know what God's plans are. But we know who God has put in our lives and who we can influence. So I look at you and me. We're kind of ordinary. And I ask, are you wondering about what God is doing in your life? Maybe you're waiting. Maybe for a husband, a new job. Maybe you're waiting for a new home, a new opportunity. Or maybe you're waiting for a child. Please don't be hopeless. Please don't be discouraged. Please trust that God knows you and he loves you and he has a plan for your life. But also remember that for God, the best thing you could ever do in your life is to live your life to bring glory and honor to him. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. This is a great scripture, isn't it? Like how many people have claimed this for their life first? This is awesome. Who doesn't want God to say, I got plans for you and they're pretty great. But you look in the background of this verse, and this verse was said by the prophet Jeremiah to the Israelites living in exile in Babylon. They lost their temple. They lost their access to God. They were in captivity. They had no hope. And God says, I haven't forgotten you. I will redeem you. If you had asked any Israelite at that time, they would have said, how many of you vote for some captivity in Babylon? Raise your hands. Well, none of them would have. And there's stuff that we're going through that we would never have voted for. But God's plans are not what we thought. But be encouraged, his plans are always better. So, what can Elizabeth teach us mamas and grandmas and great-grandmas and aunties and dads and uncles? That God loves us 
This simple. He loves us so much, he knows our name. He listens to our, our, every one of our prayers. He has planned great plans for us, and we can trust him. And so that's what I encourage you to do this morning. I encourage you to trust God in the why, in the if-onlys, in the praise the Lord's. So happy Mother's Day to you new mamas. And I think of Chantel, and I think of Victoria, and I think of all of you who have brand new babies. And I, I know you fondly think of your full eight hours of sleep. It's going to be a while, sorry. It's, it's yeah, it, just got to be honest, right? All of you have had babies, it's going to be a while. But it does come. And that constant caring and feeding and changing, eat, sleep, burp, poop, change. That constant cycle that never seems to end will end, and it will be a blur because sleep deprivation does that. You will do it. And then you'll have little toddlers, and they will be everywhere. When my daughter was six months old, someone said, oh, just enjoy this vacation. I said, you think I'm on vacation? And they said, when she's mobile, you'll know different. They were right. Once she started moving, it was a whole new set of stuff. My kids, my daughter Amy and my daughter Kirby, they're both in this stage of toddlers and young children. And it's always touching. And it's always wanting mommy. And it's always on duty all the time. But they love you so much. You are their world. And God gave you to them, gave them to you for a season. Love them. Sometimes stop and smell the roses. Sometimes let them take five minutes to tie their shoes. Build it into your schedule. If anything grandmothers have taught us, it's build it in your schedule. There's no rush. And if you've got teenagers, stop and remember when they talked too much. They will talk to you again. And enjoy this wild ride, because this is your launching time. Just before the roller coaster hits the top of that first plunge, you have a chance to prepare them for the world and give them their independence. And when they become young adults and that roller coaster ride takes off, remember you were there for every moment preparing them and loving them. And they will come back and talk to you as a friend more than an adult, more than, a, no, more than mama and baby. And for those mamas that have empty nests, celebrate those sleep-ins, just saying. Just saying. It did, but seriously, didn't it happen in a blink of an eye? It blinked. But this part's lovely. But they still need you. Your kids need you. They need you to help them when they're worried about their fever of their babies. They need you to help them when life is just out of control and they, they just need a break. They need you to be there. But there are other young women 
in the congregation, in your lives, at work, that you can stop and pray with, that you can invest your wisdom and your experience with, and you can say, hang on, it's a good ride. And if you have mamas in heaven like I do, may I encourage you to talk about her all the time. Tell your kids the story, tell your grandkids the story, find all the pictures. Because, you know, they're so much better in heaven than they were when they were phoning you all the time. You never call me. How can you never call me? Seriously. Let's celebrate our mamas. God has a plan for your life. But the best plan is for you to just live to bring honor and glory to his name. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, that you know us, that you know us by name, and that you have such great dreams for us. And help us to trust you that this wild roller coaster ride of life that we're on, that you will hold us tight, you will keep us safe. And when the unexpected comes, Lord, help us to trust you and to worship you. Be with us, Lord, when we cry. Be with us, Lord, when we laugh, when we rejoice. Bring us, Lord, into a great relationship with you. Fulfill your plans and dreams for each one of us. And we pray these things in your precious and holy name. Amen.